Hey everybody, thanks for joining Spring Pack, the podcast. We have a great show lined up, lots to talk about, so let's get after it. Hey, and thank you for joining this episode of Spring Path, the podcast. Today, we have a special guest coming from Southern Connecticut State University, where we're going to learn more about the department and the programs in health and human services. And today we have Dean uh, Sandy Bulmer. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, I, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've seen so much about uh, Southern's, uh, you know, most recent investments in the programs and what you're doing for students. But um, before we get into all that, I, you know, I want to help you connect with our listeners and uh, some of our followers and just give a little bit of background about how you got into this role. And because um, you used to be a professional, then you pivoted to teaching and you ended up here. Absolutely. It's um, I think a lot of people find themselves in jobs they didn't plan for and hadn't charted. And that's certainly the case with me. I was actually an exercise physiologist. I was doing my work up at the University of Oregon, got a job in San Francisco and having an enormously exciting career doing worksite wellness and corporate wellness and um, started teaching as an adjunct at UC Berkeley and fell in love with teaching. So, um, you know, fast forward, got my PhD so I could move into that different profession and started teaching here at Southern in 1999. I was a public (laughs) health professor. So I just loved teaching. I had the best time being a full-time faculty member here and was asked to do an administrative role and accidentally fell in love with that work. So I've been the dean of the college for, this is my ninth year now. So I've been here a long time. And um, just, uh, I guess you could call me an accidental dean, but I am so (laughs) grateful I had this chance to, to discover this new job. No, I, 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 we've talked a few times. I've gotten to know you. I think, I mean, you're, you're perfect for the role. You're extremely approachable. I mean, I was always intimidated by my deans when I was in school. So, so I think you're in the right spot. No, well, thank you. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it a little bit. I, I, I do want to help um, everyone listening kind of understand uh, some of the challenges in, mm-hmm. in what we're seeing in this day and age. And, and then we're going to get into, you know, the investments that the school is making, your, your departments are making, and um, how you're helping students mm-hmm. uh, fill this challenge. But there is an, an absolute shortage in the workforce mm-hmm. for specific areas. And can you give us a little bit more background on that and how it's, you know, hitting the U.S. today? Absolutely. And and the world, quite frankly, yeah. we're finding, you know, the, the baby boomers move through their careers and they are now retiring um, at, at, at an alarming rate. And that's that's wonderful in, in one regard, but they are leaving tremendous gaps in the workforce. And at, simultaneously, we're having an increase in demand for both healthcare and social work services, behavioral health public health. All of these things are increasing in demand at a time when our workforce is diminishing. And we didn't have a lot of babies 20 years ago, bottom line. Um, So we don't have the same number of students coming into the workforce that that would have been the case uh, in past decades. So I don't know, a perfect storm, people have been calling it. And then it was all just you know, accelerated by this pandemic that really moved sure. things along even quicker. So 
I think it's such an exciting time for people who are going to college and are going to be coming professionals over the next decade because there is such a demand for people in professions like nursing, public health, social work, communication disorders, um, physical education, school health education, all of the teacher professions, uh, everything has been turned upside down. And the great part of that is this generation will get to define what those careers are like going forward. Because when there's a workforce shortage, salaries go up, people that are looking sure. for work get to make more demands of what they want to create in their workplace. So I think it's an exciting time to be going into these professions. And quite frankly, society really needs you, <laughs> really <laughs> needs you to, to move in this direction. So I hope we can inspire more students to make these career choices. Yeah, I, I mean, based on, you know, our conversations previously and, and what I've seen um, just in general, I mean, there is such a demand right now. Mm -hmm. And to your point, students coming into this, um, you know, track for education and then going into this profession, they get to kind of put their own fingerprints on it. They get to mm -hmm. kind of adjust, you know, from what, what it was before to something a little bit different that's more uh, appealing. Absolutely. And power to them, because some of these professions <laughs> were overdue for, for really uh, rethinking how we define work, work-life balance, where are the boundaries, how do we organize ourselves to have robust, healthy, fulfilling lives. And I am just so excited about the conversations I have with our students because they're thinking about this from day one and they're looking at employers with this lens. I had a really great conversation with some of the leadership team at Yale New Haven Health System recently. Uh, they came to our campus to meet with all of our nursing students and talk to them about um, what they were doing to try to respond to the nursing shortage. And some of the things that they're doing with the governance structures, with the nurses uh, really organizing themselves, loan forgiveness programs, tuition reimbursement for continuing. These are all things that employers are going to be uh, more likely to make available to people who make these choices to go into these health and human services professions. So it is a great time and uh, what amazing, fulfilling work also. Yeah, and, and you know, and I had a chance to um, uh, speak with uh, Nilvio on a previous podcast from, mm. from the admission side. So I, if and anyone who's listening, you can start there as well, because it gives a great background on the school and how they approach all students coming into campus. But um, this Southern does such a great job with um, engaging with students early and often and helping from an advisory standpoint on, on their uh, trajectory. But when you and I were talking, you take it to a whole other level. So mm -hmm. there's this whole, your whole team, your whole division or group, um, you have made some significant investments mm -hmm. in, in this area. Can you, can you kind of start there? I know, you know, we've seen things online about the new building, yeah. uh, the new facility, but I'll let you, I'll let you share. Yeah. Thank you for asking because we're really proud of what we're trying to do because we've got a lot of work to do. The, the environment we come into right now in health and human services is that we don't have an adequate workforce and we don't have a diverse workforce. And diversity in all, 
all forms, not just um, racial diversity, which is desperately needed in the health and human services professions, but income diversity. Uh, these aren't shouldn't be professions that are only available to people who who can you know afford to make the sacrifices to do the degrees and the credentials. So, so what we have done is look deeply at what will it take for all students who are interested in these professions to be successful. And Southern mm -hmm. is amazing as people come in as freshmen, if they're, especially if they're unsure of what they want to do, the investments that have been made. I'm so proud to work here. And it's one of the reasons I've stayed here as long as I have, <laughs> is we have this great way of working with students who are exploring majors and helping them to find their footing and, and their careers. But what we did in the College of Health and Human Services is we looked at, well, okay, that's great. But once they get here, what are we doing to make sure everyone is successful? Because our goal now, we've put a stake in the ground in one example as the nursing profession. We have committed ourselves to doubling the number of nurses we graduate by 2026. So we're oh, going from okay. 100 a year to 200 a year in a short window. <laughs> and sure. Uh, so we look deeply at that example of what would it take not only to accept more students, but to actually make sure they all succeed. And so we uh, had the fortunate situation um, as we started planning eight years ago to have this new building open this fall. It is a, a hundred thousand square feet of new facilities that allow us to scale up all of these programs, but to do it in an interdisciplinary way, because we put all these professions together in one building, and then to have state-of-the-art facilities that would allow us to innovate, because we're not magically going to wave a wand and have more clinical placements available, for example, in the hospitals. We have to be creative with how do we do high-tech uh, training and simulation sure. and patient actors and all kinds of things that that can um, go along and complement the time that they're in the hospital or in their healthcare placements. So that was fine and good. We've got a beautiful facility now, and it is amazing. I hope I hope your viewers <laughs> will come and watch because I personally will give you a tour. I just can't walk <laughs> through this place enough and talk about it. I'm so proud. And, and our students, they're walking around with their chest out. They're just feeling just <laughs> so excited about, about this beautiful, beautiful place. But the second piece of that is, is, is humans. We've got to have the tutoring. We've got to have people who can be on the lookout when a student is experiencing either a, a mental health challenge, a family challenge, a financial challenge. Because in our analysis, those were the things that were causing people to drop out or not succeed in, in many of our, our programs. So we've built that infrastructure and we have partners who've helped us to support more staffing and more tutoring and, and uh, different schedules of facilities being available for studying. And so, so quite, quite creative in, in that effort. And we're talking to students all the time to learn how we can do that better. And we're holding ourselves accountable for the outcomes. If we accept you into the program here, we plan on you graduating. Yeah. <laughs> and we own it's, that. It's not an option. We're, we're going to get you through. No, well, the profession <laughs> is dying for the employer employees and, and we've got to come through. So uh, every person is valued and we're, we're working hard on that. And, you know, and, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, but the, the idea of, 
case management, um, lab time, like you, you adjust to the student's schedule. And then when they come into challenges, I know we've talked about the alumni network and how they're stepping up to, to help um, either with day to day, but not necessarily day to day, but also financial challenges. Cause you know, I was a, I was a poor college student just trying to get by and mm -hmm. uh, work and go to school. So it's not, it's not the easiest thing to do, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but yeah. So you have a, a lot that you're, you're putting forward. We do, and, and we have more left to do, quite honestly. A big part of my job is fundraising because we need to tell the story about our students. And the cost of education has gotten very high. We're doing what we can to, to try to um, you know, mitigate that for, for our students and, and make the funding available so they can be successful. But the students, even the best planning in the world, they, they encounter unanticipated financial challenges while they're here. And last year, we had uh, several of our retiring faculty come together and actually set up a fund. They, they saw firsthand when they were doing advising sessions that they would encounter a situation where a student just was living on the edge and this one financial challenge was just going to you know, break the bank and they were going to have to drop out. And and so they set up a fund that now our faculty and staff, when they're in an advising session with a student and they encounter one of these situations, they can go online, put in a workflow. And within 24 hours, we we look at the situation and we do our best to, to put out the fire for the emergency. But sure. um, even more special than that is we have put now a team of our graduate social workers together who are in their training who do case management so that they're trying to get more to the root cause of what's going on with with the challenge so that students uh, have a, a longer term strategy to be able to to cope with the challenges of paying for their education. The nice thing, most of our students are going to be very gainfully employed. <laughs> Even before they graduate, most of our students have jobs. So we can, you know, plan for that, at least in the equation as we're putting their, their plan together. And more and more employers are paying for tuition reimbursement. There's loan forgiveness programs. There's lots of things popping up that are helpful. Well, that, that's what I was going to touch on next is really um, what we're starting to see is the the um, I, want, I don't want to use the word aggressive, but the aggressiveness of your program going out to partner with employees mm -hmm. and how you are deeply tied into the community and how that creates this springboard or this path for for students going into their profession coming out of your program. You know, all of us, um, my educational partners all over the state of Connecticut, um, the privates, the publics, the community colleges, we all do this so well. Um, I'm so proud to work in Connecticut. It's really a great, great series of communities, really. And uh, for us, our immediate community is New Haven. So about in 2015, 2016, we partnered with Yale School of Public Health, and we took a center that they had had there for a while, and we brought it over to Southern to partner with them. And what we did is from scratch, we started writing grants to be able to address issues of health equity here in New Haven. And we, um, the 
Community Alliance for Research and Engagement, we call it CARE, is part of the College of Health and Human Services. They share an office suite with me here on the third floor. And uh, I was informed uh, last week they've now crested the $7 million mark for bringing in funding, uh, mostly from oh. the CDC, to address health equity in New Haven. So that's an example where they're hiring with that money, uh, the money all goes into New Haven, they're hiring uh, community members to work um, full-time and part-time. They're training and we have all kinds of internship and student uh, work opportunities and they work side by side with community members. Well, add that to 350 different organizations that we partner with to train our students. And it's, it's quite an interdependency that we have sure. in Connecticut communities. It takes a village to train a professional. It really does. A nursing student has eight different clinical placements. A social work student um, who's doing their bachelor's degree will have uh, to do maybe 400 hours uh, of, of field work in order to qualify for a master's degree program that's accelerated. Our public health students are out there doing, you know, 270 hours uh, in the community. My, uh, I joked with you when we were talking once. Our my my dean colleagues often are, you know, struggling to develop relationships to bring internships to their professions, but they're just hardwired into the College of Health and Human Services because our accreditations demand that as you're getting your education in these fields you will have experiential learning and you will do that sure. at Southern right there in the New Haven community or, or your neighborhood. If you happen to be from another part of the state, we'll work to make sure you're able to work with your community, getting your training. Sure. Yeah. And, and along those lines, I guess, um, I don't know if it's interwoven or it's connected, but with this new facility, you talk about interpersonal um, education and from my experience in interviewing other graduates and talking to different students, uh, it's not necessarily, hey, I'm just going to go into nursing. Mm -hmm. um, once you decide to start down that track with your new facility or approach, you're going to open these students up to different experiences in the kind of the granularity of the nursing mm -hmm. <laughs> field and then help them align into the community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, luckily, the health and human services professions have realized this for, for quite a while, and many of the accreditation agencies now require us to embed interprofessional education experiences for each of the student professions so that they learn with and about one another while they're getting their educational training. Uh, we decided to take that concept and hold ourselves much, much, much more accountable than the accreditation agencies required. So we have decided to commit ourselves fully, especially with our new facilities, to making sure our students are uh, together in their learning experiences when possible. So we have a hospital simulation center, um, six hospital rooms connected with high fidelity mannequin technology and all kinds of things. And um, the other day, our communication disorders department was up there. Our social work students are in the uh, simulation apartment with patient actors. Our nursing students, our rec therapy students, we're going to soon be adding occupational therapy. So uh, those students just, well, you know, get to, to understand each other's language and how they talk and how they think and how they problem solve, all focused on one thing, which is the client or the patient. 
being served. So we are really excited about where this could lead. And now that all of my faculty and staff uh, have an opportunity to run into each other accidentally in the hallways, all kinds of creative things are, are starting to happen and people are working together doing doing a lot. So I, I just uh, think it's going to be a lot more fun to be a nursing student when you're you're seeing other other professions. We in this new building, another example is we have a communication disorders clinic and we've had it for decades on this campus, but it was hidden in the lower level of a building on the far end of campus. Now it's on the second floor and we see 120 patients a week for speech, language, and oh, hearing. Okay. So we have patients coming into our educational community. All the different nursing and, and professions uh, interact now with that department in ways that are new and exciting. I even you know, occasionally get to go down and observe sessions. We have these observation rooms attached to the therapy rooms. And I had this amazing experience a couple of weeks ago of watching a young uh, a child get their cochlear implant turned on for the first time. And, wow. you know, those are things that just are happening yeah. downstairs, you know, so it's, it's a pretty amazing environment to be in right now. And, and a lot of interprofessional education yet to come that we I haven't even uh, heard that the faculty have planned yet. I learn new things every day. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's the breeding ground for creativity and innovation and really um, just taking everything to the next level. You know, you could look, take a peek at our homepage now because I just saw a couple of pictures. Um, for example, uh, our nursing students are in Peru this week doing community service work, and they took the communication disorder students with them. So, <laughs> you know, that that wouldn't have happened uh, a few years back. It would have been viewed as just a nursing experience. But the the community work that they're doing in the schools and the clinics lended itself perfectly to these students who are studying speech language pathology to come along. And so while they're in Peru, they're learning from it, from one another as well. Sure. That's, that sounds like a good time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go now, you know, like, yeah. like doesn't the dean go on those trips? I, I, I would, I yeah, I would assume you, yeah, don't you get right of first refusal? Like you should you be know, able to. <laughs> I, I think that's, I think that should be in the job description. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> Well, I can help lobby for you next time I'm on campus. <laughs> okay, Sandy. So I'm a student in high school. I'm, I definitely want to go into this area, health and human services. And I have my, my, my ideas on what I want to do. Um, I'm looking at different schools. What would you recommend uh, my approaches with, with Southern? That's a great question. I, like I said, I've been here a long time and I can't believe how dramatic the changes are at this institution. And that's probably true of any institution that you're considering. So definitely in the case of Southern, get yourself on campus. Um, it, it's a chance to physically experience what's going to be here, but also the human touch uh, until you get to talk to students in a, a way that's not scripted um, and be able to, to experience. I think it's going to be harder for you to know if the place is, is a good choice. So in our case, with our new building, obviously, I, I think it would be really helpful for you to see it because I am thrilled. Uh, anybody that comes here, like I said, we hired 
a team of student ambassadors that are waiting to tour you through the building. They're they're on call and they have shifts and they're here all the time. And, uh, you know, we have these beautiful human performance labs that serve the public. We have the communication disorders clinic. We have a new center for adapted sport and inclusive recreation where our therapeutic rec students train and serve the public. We have the, the, the nursing facilities that, that make your jaw drop. It's just incredible. <laughs> and that's, that's while you're touring through, you will talk to students. And you'll be able to find out what their experience is with their friendships and relationships and being able to build the kind of environment and community that they're they're interested in, which may or may not match with yours. So until you, I think, explore those things, it's it's difficult to know if a place is going to to be to be a good match for you and your family. Sure. So the bottom line is come to the campus, check out the new facilities and uh Let's see if we can blow them away. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and do that with all of all of your uh, places that you're thinking about. Because I know it's a stressful time for students to be thinking about where they're going to make this enormous decision about where they go to mm -hmm. school. But you know, I very few students are really clear about their professional track as as seniors in high school so you know do do give yourself some grace would be my advice to students <laughs> and and uh, if you need to spend some time during freshman and sophomore year figuring that out put yourself in a situation where there's going to be uh, a lot of different, supports and then the types of programs that you might want to explore so that that you don't find yourself having to transfer to another university to to pursue what you decide you need to, you want to do with your life's work sure no that's great advice i'm sure everyone <laughs> at home appreciates it appreciates it so sandy i think this has been extremely informative um we covered a lot of ground and i know there may be some questions from viewers um students and parents how would they reach out to you? Oh, please uh, give them my email address if you can add that to the screen. I love to hear from students and parents. I come in on the weekends to, to do tours or, uh, you know, it's tough. Um, nursing profession historically has turned away a lot of students when they apply to programs. So a lot of times that's a complicated story to unpack of how do I become a nurse? But the same is true. We have social work, public health, communication disorders, exercise science, recreation, tourism, sport management, all of these professions and social work. The, the faculty here want to talk to students and parents and, and share what they do and, and answer their questions. And, um, you know, I can connect you with, with anyone that, that you're interested in talking to. And believe me, they will jump out of their skin uh, with the chance to, to spend time with you. Most of us have kids that are this age, mine's a 19 year old, and I, I, um, I just love to, to help families uh, get over this hump of, of getting to college. And I, and I will say, I, even with the whole admissions department there as well, they're always very uh, outgoing and uh, welcoming. So, so I would recommend everyone take a look at the website URL. We'll drop that in the bottom there. And then also we'll drop Sandy's email in the description so you can reach out to her directly. Great. So, Sandy, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great. And uh, for everyone watching, you can also visit springpath.net to see if Southern Connecticut State University is a match for you. Sandy, thank you so much. 
We'll talk Thank soon. you. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take care. You too.